Welcome to Thrive Lathrop Podcast. Here at our church, we believe that everyone can thrive. Make sure to subscribe to our channel and enjoy this life-changing message. Go ahead and stand up one more time. Come on. <laughs> they said, what feels like Catholic church? Oh, again. I told first service, I can't say that joke because this is recorded, but it, it, I guess, whatever. It worked. And uh, what we're going to do is we're just going to go ahead and read the passage right now. Thank you, guys. And uh, very excited. We're going to jump right into the message. Very excited to share what I feel God has on my heart for us this morning. And so let's go ahead and turn to the book of Philippians chapter 2. Book of Philippians chapter 2. We're going to read verses 1 through 5. And it says this. And so if there is any encouragement in Christ, any comfort from love, any participation in the spirit, any affection and sympathy, complete my joy by being of the same mind, having the same love. Go to the next slide. But being in full accordance and of one mind, do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit, but in humility count others more significant than yourselves. Let each of you look not only to his own interests, but also to the interests of others. Have this mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus. Come on, family, let's pray. Jesus, thank you for what you're doing. Oh, what an amazing day. Thank you that Holy Spirit, you still speak and you still move. So God, I pray that this morning, as we stand for your word, as we dive into your word, that God, it would challenge us. It would speak to us. It would revive us on the inside. Uh, and God, that you would uh, be in the midst. You're already here. I pray that you would continue to move in however way you want to move. We love you. We thank you. And in Jesus' name, everyone said, amen, amen. Go ahead and have a seat. Go ahead and have a seat. And so I don't want to take too much time. I got a lot to talk about. And um, I don't want to, I want to make sure I hit the main thing. And actually very excited because um, this is actually the first time this morning I'm preaching this message. Um, I felt like Holy Spirit told me to share a completely different message for, 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 for 9 a.m. And so usually 9 a.m. is the guinea pig. Don't tell them. And like normally by 1030, I know what I'm going to talk about. But you guys have to be the guinea pig today. But it's all good. I really feel like this morning, God wanted to highlight something different and it was really powerful and God was moving in the room. So we're gonna go through this passage. It was the same passage, but a completely different message. Um, and sometimes that happens because God just wants to speak to a different group of people. Does that make sense? Right? Like we have to make room to let Holy Spirit do what he wants to do. And even what I was telling our, our, our family, our, our church family first service was, I don't even feel like it was for the room. I feel like it was for one person who needed to hear that. And I want to let you know that, that this team is committed to being a part of what Holy Spirit's doing, even if it only affects one person, right? Because in the eyes of God, one person matters, right? Jesus leaves the 99 to find the one, and that's what we're going to do. We're going to learn to love on people, whether it's the masses or if God just wants to highlight one person. And so that was really powerful this morning. And so I get to jump in to what I had as the original message for today. But I feel like it's significant for people in this room, for the online part of our church, and for the rest of the body to jump into this side. And so what I want to talk about today is, is something that is uh, very dear to my heart, this topic. 
is very dear to my heart. If there has been anything that I have learned and been challenged in, in the book of Philippians, it has been this concept. It is this thing that has happened to me and I've walked through and I have learned um, that, that has been so prevalent uh, for my formation. And so I'm really speaking from a place of, I hope, humility and from internal transformation and, 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 and a testimony of what God has done in me. Um, and, and the topic is this, is what we learn in Philippians 2 is Paul talks about these two things, the difference between selfish ambition and spiritual ambition. And what I have realized in my life and in the life of just believers is we have had a hard time deciphering the two. But it is so important to understand that the things that we are ambitious about have to be the things that God wants us to be ambitious about. So I'm going to open up with a story. And, and then I'm going to get into a ton of points and we're just going to run right through it. So I uh, was a missionary for over two years, a missionary in the U.S. Um, so I tell people I was a fake missionary because I was a missionary in the U.S., because, like, for example, the first three months of my mission's life, my two years, out of high school, I graduated. I used my graduation money to buy a one-way ticket to do my mission school. And my mission school was in Kona, Hawaii. Thank you, Jesus. Come on now. <laughs> Suffering for God on the beach in Kona. Thank you, Lord. Your pastor's a sneakerhead now, but all he did was wear chanclas for, like, three months. Yup. And if you're not Mexican, chanclas are sandals. Okay. Just want to make sure everyone's covered in the room. You're welcome. You're welcome. So I, um, so I do missions for two years. Uh, before that, I was an intern at a church, and I actually became a pastor at 18 years old. And so I was a pastor. I, was, I had multiple job offers out of high school. Saw a move of God on my high school campus where hundreds of people encountered Jesus. To this day, there's some individuals who are on our team that were part of what God did in that high school. And that's why I'm so excited for Run This Town because it's a dream in my heart that God would raise up young people to not just survive, but actually bring revival wherever they're at. And so I'm so excited for Pastor Matt and the team and, and what God is doing through our youth, young adult team through this conference because I believe it's, it's, it's really missional and I'm, I'm so proud of you, man. I'm so excited for what God's gonna do. Um, and so I have already, by the time I'm going to go on missions, experienced Jesus in a real way. I'm already a pastor. I'm already credentialed. I've already done Bible college classes from 15 to 18. Um, and I'm not trying to boast, okay? This is just, I, I've been in the game. Anybody ever, you've been in the game? You've been in the church game? You know what I'm talking about? You've been in church. You've done church. You were born in the pew, all that good stuff, Okay. Some of you, you were born in the pew, you were at, every, you were at church at 9 a.m., 10.30, 12 o'clock, and the prayer meeting, and lunch in between. You know what I'm talking about? Back in the day, right? So you, you, you are at, you're there at every day. So, so I live this, because I love Jesus. And I had multiple job offers at high school. And I felt like God calling me to this thing called YWAM. And YWAM is known for being this missions organization that does a bunch of random crazy stuff for Jesus all over the world. So I said, that sounds like what I want to do. So I turn away all the job offers. And this is kind of what happened is I, anybody ever feel the tension of what people ask you what you're going to do after high school? Isn't it the worst feeling ever when you don't know what you're going to do after high school? Like, oh, what are you going to do after high school? I'm like, bro, like stop asking me. 
I don't know, obviously. I'm indecisive. Leave me alone. So I didn't. I had all these opportunities I didn't know. I have this, I'm in prayer one day, and I get this image of my head, and it is really weird, but I promise I'm going to make sense of it. I get this image in my head of Jesus coming to me, and he has multiple hands. Believe me, in the Bible, he doesn't have multiple hands. This is just how God used it to understand, for me to understand in my brain, okay? Don't be like Pastor Chris said, Jesus has like 20 hands. No, that's like some other God stuff. We're not doing that, okay? But in my, in my young 18-year-old mind, there was a bunch of hands, okay? And there was a bunch of boxes on the hands, and each box was an opportunity. And, and the Lord says, go ahead and pick one. And whatever you do, I got your back. And in, the, in that image of my mind, I'm praying. I said, God, I don't want your hands. I want your heart. So I pushed the hands away. And I say, I want your heart. And the Lord says, okay, if you want my heart, go to YWAM. Now, that was just me. I'm not telling you today. You have to sell everything and go to YWAM. Okay? <laughs> so I go to YWAM. And here's what I thought. I thought God is sending me to the mission field because I am going to be the greatest preacher and revivalist ever. I'm serious, and you can laugh. I was dead serious. I'm like, I am going to be the guy. He is sending me to the nations of the earth because I am meant to bring the gospel to everyone and I'm gonna be this guy that like changes the world on my own. And so God, you're gonna use this as a door so that this door could open everything that I'm supposed to do. Notice a lot of I statements in that sentence. And so God sends me to YWAM, I go through some stuff and I end up landing in the East Coast. And one of my mission's assignments was to help launch a, a, a prayer room or help a church establish a, a prayer culture. So what we did is we decided to launch this, do prayer meetings at nighttime from 12 a.m. to 6 a.m. to help establish a 24-7 prayer culture at this church. And so what I did for three months is I fasted for three months and I would pray six to seven hours a day in a room called the furnace because they were super weird, this church. And the furnace because it was like on fire for the Lord. And let me explain what I mean by weird. The room was called the furnace and there was red carpet and there was red walls because the whole, so the whole room was red because it's supposed to be on fire. So for three months, from 12 to 7 a.m., I prayed in this room. And I'm, 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 I'm learning, I'm growing in Jesus. And I, I'm doing whatever God has called me to do. Um, and I began to question what I'm actually supposed to do with my life. And there's a quote by a man named Hudson Taylor that I believe is so significant to this conversation. Hudson Taylor was a missionary in China who he is responsible for the underground church movement in China that is reaching millions of people to Jesus today. And this is what Hudson Taylor says. He says, before God can use a man, he first has to break him down to where the man understands that he can only be used because God is the only one that is using him. If there is a dream in your heart today, a passion in your heart to do something incredible for Jesus, a passion in your heart to do something outstanding for God. 
a passion in your heart, as small in your mind as you may think, although this is large, to reach your family or reach your city or reach your job or reach your, your wherever, or, or something as big and grand as, as the calling of God or starting a business or whatever, I wanna tell you that before God can use you, he has to break down some things inside you so that way it can only be him that gets the glory. And so that's what God does with me. I thought I was gonna go to YWAM because God wanted to make me famous for him. God wanted me to go to YWAM so he can put me in a room for 40 hours a week by myself that's all red so he can get my attention. And what God will do is he will send you to places not to accomplish your dream but to accomplish his. And what he will do is he will get your attention no matter what it takes. Because what Pastor Juan said is absolutely true. He is more interested in your heart than what you do for him. And in this room, I remember one day, I was learning how to play guitar because when you do prayer room stuff, you, don't, you always play the same music and it's boring. Worship music sometimes gets boring. I'm just gonna be honest with you. And so I wanted to learn how to play guitar. So I learned how to play four chords on the guitar. Don't ask me to do it again. I don't know how. I'm not auditioning for worship. I'm not that pastor. I'm just telling you right now. That's why we have Pastor Juan in the squad. They do a great job. Amen. amen. So I go into the room. Our, start, our set starts at 12. We're gonna pray from 12 to six. I get there like at 11.30. I'm early. I get my guitar. A friend of mine from South Africa bought me the guitar. He said the Lord wanted me to have this guitar. I was like, okay, whatever. And um, I'm learning. And I just, start, I just start worshiping God. I'm spending time with God. And I'm singing this song called You Can Have It All, But Take the World and Give Me Jesus. I don't want any other idols. I don't want any other lovers. I just want you. Take the world and give me Jesus. And I'm singing it and I'm just practicing. Have you ever been in a season in your life where you sing worship but you don't mean it? That was me. I wasn't really meaning it. I was just singing it because it sounded cool. I was just singing it because it was catchy. I was just singing it because it was theologically accurate. But then God intervenes and you start realizing the thing you're singing, actually he wants to do in your life. And all of a sudden in this red room, I start weeping and weeping and weeping. And the presence of God hits the room. And what God begins to tell me is, Chris, everything you have done or you want to do in ministry has nothing to do with me. It has everything to do with you. You have selfishly loved me. Your ambition is not for me, but it's for your own heart. And Chris, you need to repent. You need to say sorry. And so I, I just start bawling. My, you ever have that moment with God where, where all the boogers come out? You know what I'm talking about? You know what I'm saying? Like, like, like women in the room, the mascara, the makeup, it all. Why did you even do it? Why'd you even do it? Like, you know what I'm saying? And, and next thing you know, this incredible moment with God. You don't have to have a moment like this. I'm just expressing what God's done in me. Next thing you know, my leader comes in, in the middle of it. And he's like, hey, bro, God's doing something. Thank God for leadership that allows the Holy Spirit to move. He says, hey, bro, God's doing something. I'm not gonna interrupt. Just let us know when you're done. They waited outside until I was done with God by myself. 
And I'm yelling at the top of my lungs, singing this song, and I'm not good at singing, and I'm leading these chords that are not good on the guitar, and I'm praying to Jesus, I say, God, I'm sorry. I'm sorry for making this about me. I'm sorry about making this more about money than about you. I'm sorry about making this more about a career than actually a calling. I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. Four hours later, I come out of the room. They waited outside for four hours, y'all. Incredible. And what they were doing is my leader told me they were praying for me to have whatever breakthrough God needed to do in my life. And that was the first, I would say, of a journey of my life where I began to understand the difference between selfish ambition and spiritual and holy ambition. And what I would tell you today is this, is if there is anything that will get in the way of what God wants to do, it is not the devil, it is yourself. It is you and I allowing selfish ambition to take precedent over what God really has for us. And it's sometimes difficult because sometimes the, the good things sound like God things, but not every good thing is absolutely a God thing. And so Paul describes it as selfish ambition. He describes selfish ambition as the enemy of unity in the church. He says that do not do things out of selfish ambition or conceit. Do not do things for your own gain. Do not do things that only allow you to grow, but do not allow the lives of others to grow. And what this does is this is at the crux of Christianity. And this is why oftentimes individuals don't believe that Christianity is real or don't want to follow Jesus is because Christianity forces you, the gospel forces you to let go of your dreams and let God decide your dreams. And it takes radical humility to do that. And this is why the, the world sometimes doesn't believe that what we say is true is because they see a church that is more interested in selfish ambition than holy ambition. And we've had too many pastors, not here, thank you, Jesus, but too many pastors in society and culture today and family, they're flying like flies, they're falling like flies because their mission in their life was not to really make Jesus famous, but the mission in their life was to make themselves famous. And the prosperity gospel is rooted in selfishness and not biblical Christianity. And what the prosperity gospel will do is tell you that as long as you're blessed, you are following God and that our gospel life is connected to blessing rather than transformation of the heart. I'm sorry, I'm going on a rant. Because it bothers me that we look so bad. It bothers me. If you, want to know, if you want to know your heart of your pastor, it bothers me, not thrive, but that people judge the church the way they do because I know how much God loves it. And then I read articles about dumb things that dumb leaders do, hypocrisy. And I wonder where repentance is. I wonder where conviction is. I wonder where leaders are that they need to go to their face and they need to ask Jesus for forgiveness. And I'm not saying Thrive is the only one. I know friends all across California that are doing the same thing we're doing at Thrive and that are going after Jesus. I'm not saying we are the saviors of the world and the saviors of the church. That's God's job, not us. But it gets me upset that we have such a terrible reputation. And then we do it to ourselves. When all it takes is to just say, God, Give me your plan, not mine. 
God, let's do what you want to do. God, let's do this the way you want to do it. God, teach me what your ambition and your desire is like. This has to be center in the life of someone who's going to follow Jesus. God had to kill the idols in my life and get my attention because I was on a path. I was on a path of making it all about me when the gospel is nothing about me. The story of Jesus has nothing to do with in an essence, about a humanistic idea or an individual. It has to do with a God who loves us and a people who are broken and how God wants to restore his people back to him. Again, it's all about him. It's all about him. And so let me just walk this through. What does selfish ambition look like? What does it look like? What does it look like to struggle with selfish ambition? And these are things that I have learned. And these are things that I hope God would kind of challenge us in. Number one is selfish ambition looks like when we use the concept of Jesus to accomplish our desires. Notice I didn't say that we use Jesus to accomplish our desires. Because God cannot be used. You can't manipulate him. Because I want to tell you right now, people, if there's an understanding or an idea that, man, people are just using God or just using Jesus, you're, you're talking about the wrong God. Because God can't be used. God can't be manipulated. Jesus is on the throne. He is over everything. He's going to do what he wants to do. But what we can, we can do is we can manipulate the concept of Jesus to accomplish what we want instead of what God wants. Family, we need to repent of this in our hearts. We need to repent for only praying because we need God to do something for us. That's not wrong to pray to, for God to intervene. But it is wrong to pray that the only time you pray is for God to intervene. Because there's something wrong with us. Or because we want him to do something. It's transactional and transactional Love doesn't work. I had to learn that Jesus had to become my everything. And I couldn't use spirituality to accomplish the inner dream of my heart that fulfilled my insecurity. Come on, did, did you catch that? I want to I say that again. We cannot use Jesus to fulfill the dream of our heart that is rooted in insecurity and an orphan mentality. Because what we will do is we will try to accomplish to fulfill our insecurity and we will use Jesus and Christianity to try to accomplish that. But the only thing that can satisfy the insecurity and the brokenness of our soul is Jesus. It is not the dream happening. It is actually that Jesus is the dream. Jesus is the only one that satisfies. Jesus is the only one that can come through. Jesus is the only one that heals. Jesus is enough. And if you buy into the lie of a Christianity that does not make Jesus enough, I would challenge that it's Christianity. God had to ask me a question in that red room. Chris, if I did nothing else for you again, would you still love me? 
if I didn't bless you, if I didn't do anything, if you didn't feel me, if you didn't do anything for me ever again, would you love me? Was the cross and the resurrection good enough? And the truth is, is unless we have a true, true conviction that it is, then we can fall into the trap of selfish ambition and making the dream of our heart an idol in our life. And then we get discouraged when the dream doesn't happen. And then we think God's mad at us. How many people have you met that leave Christianity because God didn't do something for them? When the reality is, is God has already done everything for them. Because they heard a gospel that said, God is like your waiter and a microwave and he's waiting for you to put a breakfast burrito in there and it will happen in two and a half minutes. And we've bought into the lie of consumer Christianity that thinks God is waiting just for us to do what we want him to do. Man, he is bigger than that. I know, I'm coming in hot. Number two, when we manipulate others to rank higher on the pyramid, when the thing you want to accomplish matters more than the people that are in your life, you want to know if you're struggling with selfish ambition? And, and again, family, I'm preaching to myself. God has had to work on me on this. I had to learn that it was more important my relationship with others rather than climbing the ladder. And I'm sorry if you've ever experienced selfish ambition and leadership that cared more about the latter than they did about you and your heart. I'm sorry. That's unbiblical and it's ungodly. It's poor leadership. I want to tell you that in the heart of God, he wants to be in connection with us and he loves us. He desires us just as much as we should desire him. And God doesn't manipulate us to accomplish what he accomplishes on the earth. Isn't that fascinating? Because God can. Right? God can. God could like do what he wants. Like if God wanted to force us, he could. But he doesn't because he loves us. The gift of free will so that way we can love him because we want to, not because we have to. And then vice versa, it's the same way. God desperately loves us. And he will not manipulate it. If God will not manipulate us to accomplish his task on the earth, what makes us think that we have permission to do the same? This is why they got in trouble for building the Tower of Babel. Because it was more important that they became like God instead of spending time with God. That's what they said. They said, let's build a tower. Come on, Genesis. Old school, let's go back in the Bible. Genesis, let's build a building that reaches God so our status can be like him. Isn't that the story of humanity? And what did God say? Not cool, bro. I'm gonna give you a bunch of languages because you are not gonna be me. You will never be me. Satan, you wanna be like me? Sorry, dude, you're out. And you wanna take a squad with you? They can go too because I'm God. I'm not, ch I'm not gonna change. I'm not gonna change. And then at the same time, God's also like, but I'm going to let you decide to love me. It's beautiful. When we manipulate others and rank higher on the pyramid, the root is selfish ambition. Number three, when our actions lack humility in the midst of success. When we make it all about us. Oh, we're good at that. I'm good at that. And I have to repent for that. I believe now I'm not good at that, hopefully. Hopefully. <laughs> 
It's funny, I, I was working on something this week, and I went, I went to ask my wife. I was working on something, and um, the, the, the thing I was working on was uh, identifying unhealthy practices in a leader. And so I went to my wife, and spouses, this might not be a good idea to do this, but I did it. I said, hey, babe, what are some unhealthy things I do? <laughs> and I thought she was going to come with like one, two. I love my wife. She came with the list. She was ready. It was like she knew this moment was going to happen. And she said, well, let's talk about it. And like 30 minutes in, I'm like, I don't want to talk about this no more. I'm feeling uncomfortable. You're just making stuff up. I don't even do that. <laughs> Spouses, you ever want to start a fight? Ask your wife what you do wrong. Girl, man. And I'm just saying, men and women, we got to work on forgiveness because we come with those lists. We come with bullets, y'all. We lack humility because we think we did it. We don't, we don't have a posture of humility. That's how you can tell selfish ambition is starting to creep in. We lack a posture of humility. And number four is when the dependence of the Holy Ghost isn't necessary. You want to know if selfish ambition is alive in your life? Is when you do everything and you don't need Jesus to do it. If you're someone in here who has decided to follow Jesus... Okay, if you're not saved, you're off the hook on this one. We'll talk to you later. Okay, but if you would say, I'm a Christian, I'm a follower of Jesus, I've raised my hand, I've accepted myself, or I've accepted the Lord, I, whatever, whatever Christianese, Christian language you wanna use, awesome, I love it. I'm saved, I'm a disciple, I'm a believer, da-da-da, whatever. Love it, cool. If your life is a life that's lived that doesn't need Jesus in the everyday of your life, you are living a life that is not dependent on God, therefore, it's all about you. Because the only way you're going to do what God has called you to do and the way that God called you to do it and to follow him the way God's called you to follow him is you need the Holy Ghost. You need the Holy Ghost. You need the Holy Spirit. You need him in you. You need him on you. You need him speaking to you. Come on, let me preach for a minute. You need him around you. You need him in front of you. You need him behind you because there's things in this life that you're not gonna get. What is Paul saying? You need the Holy Spirit to do what you wanna do in this life, what God wants you to do in this life. And if we begin to live a life that tells him, I don't need you, that grieves him, that allows him to not be in the picture, then you are living your life selfishly in ambition for what you want to do instead of what God wants to do. Let that convict us, family. Let me ask myself a real question. God, the life that I live today, do I actually need you? Or is Christianity and the gospel a concept that makes me feel good on Sunday so that way I can feel good in my sin and my stuff? So I can make myself feel good as a better person. God's like, no, I'm not interested in making you feel good and be a better person. I'm interested in transforming you from the inside out. And the spirit of transformation, the spirit of life, the spirit of renewal is a person named the Holy Ghost. We have a misconception of authentic love. That's what I learned in that red room. I would begin to live selfishly because I didn't understand the capacity of what God loves me. 
I thought I had to earn affection. I thought I had to be someone. I thought I had to achieve this because my dad wasn't around and my mom wasn't around. And I felt like because my people, the people in my life didn't love me, that the only way I would earn the affection of God was that I had to prove to him that I was good enough. And the reality of it is I began to idolize the thought of proving my love to Jesus rather than worshiping God for who he was and what he's done for me. And God began to have, he began to have to break down the idol of selfish ambition. And he began to call me to what real ambition looked like. And listen, I have way more notes. I'm not, I'm not gonna get into it because I feel like Holy Spirit's really moving in the room right now. Because I think we have fallen into the trap of selfish ambition. It's, it's a real easy one to fall into. But I believe God would call us higher. Mom, I, I, I just, I, I get a little stirred up because I remember what it was like running the rat wheel of life. Come on. The emotional roller coaster that we call in our minds Christianity that goes up and down, up and down, and we don't know where we're ever at with God. Oh, it's horrible. And we allow our, our sin and our, our, our hiddenness, the things we don't want anyone to know, to begin to dictate how we actually live. And, and then what we do is we have ambitious goals that try to outwork our way out of sin. And it'll never work because the only solution to the antidote of sin is a man named Jesus and it's repentance, and it's following Him. And, and, I, and, I, and I would believe for the day that, that the church at large, and I believe God would call us to this today, but at the church at large, the Western church would, would fall in love with God, not because He can do things for them, but because what He's already done for them. And God forbid we would live a life that would allow our selfish ambition to dictate the terms of the relationship. Instead of allowing Jesus, the one who died for us and the one that rose again and the one that's coming back, the one who loves us, the one who, who, who is everything and should be everything to us, to be the one that lets our whole life flow out of. I believe this is a call to center ourselves again in Him. Paul would say to Philippians, Philippi, you're getting distracted by the things you're not supposed to be getting distracted by. You need to fall in love with God again. You need to let go of selfish ambition. You need to stop treating Jesus as a concept. You need to stop making it all about yourself. You need to let go. You need to start allowing humility. You need to depend on the Holy Ghost again. Philippi, Church of Lathrop, Church, I'm calling you today. That's what Paul would say. I'm calling you today to make Jesus the one thing again. Do not let selfish ambition dictate your life. Do me a favor. Stand to your feet. Ah. Uh. And, and I'm not going to sugarcoat it straight up. Right? We keep it real at Thrive. Some of us in this room need to say sorry to God. Some of us need to get over this improper view and perspective and concept of God in our relationship with God. Some of us need to allow 
the Holy Spirit to begin to renew us and begin to shape us and transform us. Some of us need to repent about making Christianity more about us instead of about Him. And that's okay. He still loves you. That's His desire is to show you and to help you and to walk you. It's okay that we're not perfect. He knew that. It says in Romans, he died while we were sinners. That means he died while you were messed up. And he knew we were gonna be messed up. And he knows he's still gotta work on us. He's not scared of working on us. He's not scared of our stuff just as much as we are. And God will do what he needs to do. Maybe today is your red room moment like me, right? Maybe he's gonna get you in the car on the way this week. Maybe he's gonna get you in your bedroom tonight. Maybe he's gonna get you at the conference in a couple weeks. I don't care, but God's gonna get you. So you might as well start it now because he's gonna show you who he is and he's gonna break the things that are not of him because he loves you so much. And so with every head bowed, Thank you again for tuning into our podcast. For more info, please visit our website at thrivelathrop.com. Have an amazing rest of your week.